Welcome to Europa Rama, a podcast series about science fiction and the future of Europe. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Are We Europe, the podcasting family and magazine which collectively asks the question what it means to be European. My name is Marije Martens, and I'm co-founder of Are We Europe and one of Europa Rama's biggest fans. Europa Rama uses science fiction to explore multiple narratives for the future of Europe and storytelling as a tool to create spaces for European imagination. The future of the continent is not a one-way direction. And actually, science fiction can raise awareness that our own choices and the political choices determine our future. Fiction is not prediction. So this is not a podcast by futurologists. This is a podcast about creative writers who are using science fiction to imagine different kinds of futures. As you may have noticed, Giuseppe is not hosting today. Don't worry, though. He's uh, neither ill or uh, abducted by aliens. On the contrary, today he will be the guest of honor in his own show. Giuseppe is the head of communications and events at Bruegel, a Brussels-based think tank specialized in economics. Celebrating its one-year anniversary, we'll of course talk about Giuseppe's book, Disco Sour, which received the second prize in the Altiero Spinelli Prize for Outreach from the European Union in 2018. Also, I'm curious why, according to Giuseppe, science fiction and Europe are such an otherworldly match. Dismissed by some as mere fantasies, we will explore the potential of limitless imagining in shaking up the way we talk about tomorrow. Thank you, Giuseppe. Hey, thank you, Maria, uh, for hosting me. Uh, this is uh, quite exciting. How does it feel to be the subject of your of your own show? Well, I feel quite uh, quite well actually. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty nice for once that I need to uh, be on on the other side uh, of uh, of the mic. And um, actually, it's quite nice. Are we Europe hosting one of the podcasts? Since uh, Are we Europe has been so much supporting Europarama since the beginning and the idea. So it's really uh, it's really nice to have uh, you uh, in the driver's seat for this episode awesome let's uh, let's make the most of it we're very excited too um obviously we're we're interviewing you here not just because you're the host of this podcast but because you wrote a book called disco sour right disco sour is your debut novel you published it in 2018 it is about a tech obsessed europe that's on the brink of anarchy after a destructive civil war wreaked havoc across the continents, the European Union is the only institution still on its feet, as national governments and other democratic institutions have disappeared. In Bastian Balthasar's Box World, the main character of the story, there's an app for everything, both for dating and breaking up. Technology's got your back. Now, a new swipe-basing swipe app is ready for launch, and its goal is to replace elections from ever happening again. Eventually, it comes down to one recently dumped hero and an epic trip to Chile on a strict deadline. Does democracy stand a chance? Well, does it? Would be a spoiler alert if I would uh, if I would reply as such. But uh, I obviously would like to believe so that democracy stands a chance if we speak in real world and not the science fiction world of the book. You are a very big science fiction fan yourself. How did it come about that you wrote this novel? The genesis of Disco Sour was not so much science fiction. It was pretty much uh, real life and uh, 
political circumstances of uh, where Europe was heading to between 2014 and 2015 when I started to work on the project. It was on the aftermath of the of another European elections, so the European elections of 2014. And on the other hand, we already saw quite strong reinforcement of, uh, of, of populist and nationalist parties on one side, Then in beginning of 1915, we saw in Italy the first uh, really uh, big success of uh, a very unconventional party that was using uh, online tools and online so-called online democracy for uh, for the general elections, which was the which was the Five Star Movement in Italy. So the combination of both uh, led me to the idea that uh, on one hand we we needed a reflection about where politics was heading to and these two themes on one side nationalism uh, was kind of uh, covered in my imagination is saying okay everyone is speaking about Europe is going to be doomed and the nation state is going to rise say what about if after the financial crisis of 2008 instead of strengthening and strengthening this kind of national rhetoric Uh, the uh, the direction of uh, history would have gone in the totally op opposite direction where the nation state would have totally failed and and collapsed and on the other hand when it comes to online democracy and and using of apps and so on i was trying to say to see and and to test and using That's why science fiction then uh, using a science fiction scenario to see what could be the extreme to which uh, such idea of direct democracy through a digital tool could lead to on a specific uh, near dystopian scenario. So the combination of both, let's say, forms a little bit the basis of what is this Kosawa. Um, on the top of everything, I also had some personal experiences that uh, that that I've been always wanted to uh, shape into some sort of fictional form uh, indeed the, the the protagonist of the book is traveling and 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 missing a lot of planes between Thessaloniki and Chile and this is something that happened to me uh, at some point while I was trying to to reach a conference in Chile and and I was like having a little bit of a doomed traveling the the most european experience out there is missing your plane and being stuck in Thessaloniki. Uh, no no i was being stuck everywhere you know from 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 frankfurt to from from munich to paris to sao paulo to you know it was like uh, a, a real a real uh, case of being stuck uh, globally you know every, every night i was being stuck in another airport in another continent and at some point it was so surreal that I say this is this should be like something like like a fiction novel and it was not back then thought as science fiction but definitely as some sort of uh, travel odyssey you know with um the technologies developing so quickly and especially when it comes to to what's happening on our phones um have you already seen in the past year something that you wrote in Disco Sour where you feel something is already happening now Well, yeah, actually, uh, there was quite a feeling while I was writing Disco Sour because it took me three years to write it, even if it's not a, a Lord of the Rings kind of book, you know, but, uh, but still it took me quite some time to, 
to, to, to write it. At some point, for instance, during the election campaign in the United States, in 2016, the presidential campaign, tweet, um, Tinder released uh, something called Swipe the Vote and uh, was very similar, even if it was just uh, some sort of uh, educational or campaigning tool or whatever. So no effects in, in real voting whatsoever. But it, it kind of took uh, the idea that I was writing about uh, of Tinder politics and I was like, oh my God, I need to rush to finish this book. Otherwise, what I'm writing over there is becoming obsolete or actually reality is going to be more scary than uh, than the actual uh, future uh, imagined by um, by the book. So any positive outcomes maybe? Or, or really, the the scary part has has maybe overtaken. Uh... Oh I, no, I'm not saying this. I mean, I'm just saying that it it was uh, a, an idea that I had that things were were about to go in in that kind of direction. Doesn't mean that uh, the the things that they are in real um, in real life are exactly the same as the one that are uh, explained in the book. However, we can see that, uh, for instance, there are more and more. Um, populist and nationalist movements uh, uh, around uh, in, around Europe, but also that the pervasiveness of technology uh, is one of the big themes. And um, I mean, like I mentioned the swipe the vote, but there was also the Cambridge Analytica scandal and, and many others. So uh, it became the theme of uh, the way technology is changing politics became quite uh, um, a front uh, front page uh, news in uh, in the past few years so and that was definitely not something that i was foreseeing when i started to to write the book so what you do see with your book is when you read it now knowing all of this um science fiction might help a lot in thinking about these moments in time and helping us process whatever is happening and what that means for our futures. Is this your goal of your podcast? And if so, what is the uh, the most the outcome that you would like the most in this podcast? The idea of Europarama, as uh, you've been mentioning at the beginning of uh, of the podcast and so on, is uh, to uh, first of all uh, portray the fact that uh, we can have multiple futures that uh, there is not just one way direction for for what we might see as uh, the outcomes of uh, political processes or economic processes and so on and by recognizing that the future could be multiple uh, you start to think about how you would like to have this future and you can use science fiction as a testing ground not only of what you would like to have but also what you might not want to have and sometimes what you want to have in the future i mean as a person or as a society and so on what kind of values do you want and uh, are are totally mixed with the, uh, it can be mixed between utopia and dystopia you know we've been discussing this with with other uh, authors as well about the fact that um, you you really can see that what is better for someone might not be better for someone else so that's how also i would like to see science fiction as a way also to understand what kind of uh, impact 
some decisions or some possible scenarios could have on different groups of people. And um, on the other hand, the fact that uh, there is very little imagination about uh, about Europe in in cultural in cultural products such as TV series or or books or so on, it's um, it's something that was uh, pretty much. Um, striking me you know like why why do we have so many uh, movie, movies uh, in that covers uh, all kind of aspects of uh, the united states federal government uh, while we have only very boring reporting from brussels when it comes to the european union and that's where the idea of the podcast, but also the idea of Discos Hour at the beginning, was standing from a certain uh, um, idea that uh, uh, writing stories can be a form of activism, which is also an idea that uh, we share with Are We Europe? Uh, even so, in the case of Are We Europe, it's more about journalism and it's about more about telling stories which are European and they're on the ground, but it's the same kind of spirit about telling stories that are European stories in order that the people can start to not just identify but ask themselves about what actually Europe uh, could be in the future and what is the place of Europe within the um, imagination, not only within the politics and the economics of the everyday life of, of the citizens. Let's see, because that, I think that that's... that's um Obviously, the, the, the biggest feat that you are bringing with your book, but also with your podcast. Um, maybe instead of saying what is all not there, who are your, your, um, heroes, the people that you look up to that are doing something like this already? Well, that's a very difficult question because who's doing, who's doing storytelling for Europe? Uh, there are many, there are not many artists that are engaged at the moment. Like if you really think about mainstream ar uh, 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 artists, yes, they are like grassroots activists. You have Madalena Kay in the UK. Uh, you have you have others which are which are more on the activist side. But if you think about uh, big names of of mainstream authors and and filmmakers and so on, it's it's not very easy to find to find someone and why do you think that has not developed in europe yet i think it's part of uh, the way uh, cultural the cultural industry is actually conceived because it's still very much based on a national market obviously language plays a big role on this you know like it's a very fragmented linguistic space uh europe so it's very hard to 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 build products uh, uh movies and so on which are pan-european from that point of view but on the other hand one could argue that why this should stop uh artists to actually use europe as a background and some some people are using europe as a background i mean robert menas which is a, a writer from austria has wrote um a novel that 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 has been quite uh, um, I mean widely widely uh, widely acclaimed and and, and read in, in the German speaking uh, side of uh, of the continent and um, and that's an example you know uh, not not 
as mainstream as it could be, um, you know, a blockbuster movie, but, uh, but it's a, a small example of, of these kind of things. Other authors like Dave Atchison, which um, have participated to our podcast, are also engaged to a certain extent and use Europe as a background. Uh, but it stays, I mean, Dave, Dave is, uh, stays within the niche of, of science fiction and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's different from what we are trying to discuss here, which is why actual a European imagination is not present on our mainstream cultural products. What do you think are the limits of using fiction as a societal critique? Is there, uh, a moment where you might run into a roadblock using what you're doing now? The thing is that you should use fiction for what it is and you shouldn't try to make it more than what it is in the sense that uh, uh, I I believe that we shouldn't uh, uh, substitute uh, fiction for uh, for good journalism. We do, don't need to substitute fiction for uh, policy making or uh, elaborating uh, political manifestos. Uh, fiction is is uh, is a tool in order in order to be engaged. I mean, it doesn't mean that it has to be apolitical. It doesn't mean that it has to be outside what is happening. But uh, uh, it it can be used as a testing ground. As I said before, um, one aspect that I'm very interested in is like how to use fiction uh, also as an experimental methodology for research, which is something that I kind of used uh, to a certain extent in Discos Hour because I was writing also some academic articles about um, uh, the role of the um, digital revolution and and the algorithms in changing policy making and and democracy in the future and let's say by having some rules that you need to stick with in fiction they're very helpful for that because uh, you need to in fiction somehow even if you can basically uh, create a world where everyone has uh, i mean like human beings fly for example still you will have to create a coherency within this world you cannot just uh, drop in a, a flying man uh, like that you you will have somehow to to create a frame in which that that rule which is the rule of the world that you are creating is uh, somehow respected and and makes sense and coherent uh, so that you feel that this is like something that uh, makes sense within the world of the story so th- this is where i think that fiction can act somehow as a laboratory because you can put some uh, some variables that uh, you cannot uh, um, like in a laboratory you 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 cannot uh, uh, create on a full scale in real world but you can test and you can see if a certain combination of certain rules could lead obviously it's speculation but somehow it's some sort of closer to you know, like having an exercise about saying what will happen if, for instance, like in the case of Discosai, what would have happened if the the housing bubble would have bursted in a different way and led to a social unrest uh, after the financial crisis of 2008 and then a civil war would have happened and then basically chaos and anarchy would have started to rule the the continent and and the nation states would have failed to be capable of holding things on and the only uh actor political actor that that survives that that turmoil 
would be would have been the the European Union. So that's a little bit how uh, you construct these kind of things and you 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 start to make. But also there, you you can't really like in the case of the civil war, which was not an easy thing to to imagine. You know, like imagine a civil war in contemporary Europe. Uh, you have some some real case scenarios that you can refer to, which is which is what other civil wars there are in the world, what other civil wars have happened before. But on the other hand, you need you need to combine something in in that scenario that could be realistic. So it's not it's not that easy. Uh, but on the other hand, it also leads you to certain to certain conclusions. You know, like for instance, you need you need to have. Um, uh, certain elements of real world that that are capable of making it credible. Otherwise, uh, you start you start create uh, a world, but is is totally not credible. And and yeah, I mean, then when you read it, it's like uh, what the fuck. So you have to do a lot of research to do what you do to actually understand all these little real world uh, anchors that you are using in order to build a world that. Uh, might fly away in a different direction. Yeah, of course, you need to do a lot of research. You know, like, for instance, if you... One hypothesis that there was in, in this course hour was, was about uh, uh, saying that, um, that for instance, there would have been some... some the reason why uh, violence breaks and, and, and the war, civil war happens is because uh, there start to be uh, social unrest uh, uh, towards um, private companies who are who are building uh, entire new neighborhoods, but that basically are deserted because of the financial crisis. And basically, uh, these companies ask the governments to be protected, and there is like an act that is passed by the European Council and then it's implemented in all member states, which is uh, which sta sa states that private companies uh, have the right to use the force to use to use violence in order to protect their their construction site, and that is like somehow the the, the motif the, the the way you could explain why all of a sudden uh, something that is like just a riot against uh, against a real estate company starts to become a full scale civil war because you have like these rioters that that basically get shot by by uh, private hired troops of uh, of the real estate company uh, in a situation where in that specific world, uh, the nation states already gave up the use of uh, of, of uh, military force as a nationalized thing because they rely also the, the like the, the nation state relies only on privatized troops. So basically, that kind of scenario uh, allows a big chaos to happen because you have a whole set of uh, of situation where violence breaks and 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 then the, the it leads to the implosion of uh of the nation states and a massive situation on the ground so to in order to do this you need to to make some some concrete research about how you can make credible the fantastic like fantastic in the sense of fantasy kind of uh, universe that you are trying to um, to create in the book and th this is what I really loved about reading your book is that this this sense of uh, realism was quite logical to me. I saw all these things that I was like, this this might actually happen, and understand how it would happen if if it would. Um, 
And the next feeling is, what if it would actually happen? And it freaks you out a bit, right? Which is possibly the, the one most important goal for any science fiction writer is to make people think a little bit about the current situation that they are in. So you are saying, uh, let's use fiction for just what it is, fiction, but also use it as a laboratory. Why not actually make it part of every policy discussion that we have? Why not make it actually ingrained in the way we think about our futures? I think it can be a, a reference on the discussion. I mean, definitely, as I said before, the goal is uh, to make people think. And when you say make people think, doesn't mean only, uh, I mean, it, it can include also politicians and the way politicians are, are acting. And, and we know that these kind of things, if, if they get ingrained in popular culture, they make people think, you know. I mean, we know that a lot of uh, uh, real-world design, even design of real-world stuff, has been more and more. I mean, has been influenced by, by, by science fiction. I mean, the way uh, th think even about the, the, the space program and, and NASA. You know, the way they've been calling uh, uh, some of the spaceships. They're been calling them from from Star Trek or. Uh, the way the International Space Station um, uh, cupola, which is the basically the part of the International Space Station, which is a sort of glass dome, the way it has been designed, it, it, it was made to uh, somehow mimic the um, the Millennium Falcon of of Star Wars. So uh, you you know there is a lot of of back and forth between science fiction and and real life, uh, and and therefore. You know, uh, it's uh, it's indeed something that uh, that is part of there. It's part of the conversation. That's a little bit the idea that that it can be part of the conversation. So, how do you make it part of the conversation? You make this podcast, but um, I've also heard about you doing world building sessions. What 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 happens in a world building session? So what 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 I've been starting to experiment was uh, trying to to make the same kind of operations that that we do with the with the podcast, but live and uh, uh, with a group of people, uh, just uh, just taking a prompt uh, as we had uh, with with several of the authors here at Europa Rama, taking this prompt and then uh, starting to build a story together. Uh, build the word and build the story using a very simple methodology, which is like uh, everyone is participating to the to the elaboration because everyone gets to um, tell a little bit of of uh, of the story and then it passes through to to the second person, which will move the story story forward or the the that specific word forward, uh, not necessarily in the same direction that the person. That previously started to create would have led the thing to, and that's where really the the, the, the more uh, crazy stories can can appear and uh, and and can form. And what I like of this kind of exercise is that uh, people really uh, start to to think about uh, uh, Europe on, uh, on in a different way. They start to speak about Europe so naturally. At least that happened in the sessions that we did. That uh, somehow it becomes, uh, you know, 
even the 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 idea that uh, there should be a pro-European or anti-European, it becomes even like something that is not even there. I mean, it's not even the question over there. It's like okay, let's let's uh, let's build another kind of Europe. It's fictional, and I'm totally free about imagining that, for example, I don't know. Uh, the European Council is just composed by uh, brains in a jar, and that uh, and that these brains are connected to to the internet. You know, just just to mention one of the crazy ideas that that came in in one of the sessions. So so you see, it's it's uh, it's nice exercise, and then it's always good to um, uh, comparing to what you can do with with the writer that could lead to the writing of of a story of a novel or a script for a movie or whatever in that case it's always nice to to then have a session to debrief and trying to see how the participants have been uh, uh living that that uh, that moment and what do they take with them afterwards in um in the real world I'd love to participate in one of those ones that sounds really cool um are there any like themes or questions that keep returning in the sessions that you do? Are, have you already found like the biggest questions that Europe needs to answer now? The questions that comes back are the big questions that we are all concerned globally. So there is, for instance, a, a mac macro theme on uh, on climate, which has been running through the series so far. Um, so there have been several episodes where elements about climate change have been coming back in a way or another and will come again in, in the next episodes. Uh, another element is definitely the role of technology, the role of technology on how is changing the daily life, but also is changing politics. Another theme is um, definitely uh, themes related to uh, uh, let's say more philosophical level, you know, uh, what kind of society and what kind of organization the society will have in the future. Is there going to be more decentralized? Is going to be more centralized? Uh, the role of the nation state, indeed, I mean, which is very controversial. So all these kind of questions are are there. The role of uh, of the future of work, for example, even if it's a sub theme of, of the general theme about technology, that's also something that is uh, present and comes back. Um, and the way people interact with each other, that's also the other thing. You know, like uh, not only very uh, big um, big questions about society and politics and so on, but also how. All these in in the future scenario would impact the daily life of the people, from how people would uh, live, how would they eat, how would they would move uh, in 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 the space in the cities or or between be, between different regions, or how people will love and and uh, interact on emotional level. Yeah, what I'm really interested to see is that uh, for me the difference between fantasy and science fiction. Aside from the the actual knowledge difference that happens within these worlds, um, is also that fantasy always seems to promote very strong morality. This one version of morality that we all have to adhere to, and science fiction is sometimes a little bit more on the fence. I don't know. I mean, I think that they, the the genres are um, the genres are, are quite uh, uh, big uh, to encompass a big diversity of positions and of uh, of um, 
of points of view. I'm I'm not that expert or expert on fantasy to prove wrong what you just say in the sense that I'm not knowledgeable enough to say, okay, there are also fantasies, novels that, that don't promote the same kind of morality, but I'm sure they are. Same thing with, with science fiction. You, you, you can have uh, all kind of uh, spectrum of, of positions from very militant political kind of science fiction to science fiction that uh, gets a very basic uh, vision of the universe where there is a uh, um, the evil and the good and the, the good at the end, uh, uh, you know, triumph or, or the evil triumphs or whatever. There is a super villain and there is a superhero, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, uh, things are a little bit more, more complicated than that. So I, I don't know if, uh, it's a matter of science fiction or, or fantasy. It's, I think a matter about storytelling and about using storytelling for different reasons. And would you promote one over the other or more strong, one with one a more strong morale over one that maybe leaves open that question a little bit more or do you see a place for this very strong morality also in the explorations that you're interested in i'm a believer that the world is very complex so uh because the world is very complex you cannot really reduce things to uh, to black and white and that's that's the way i am as a person and therefore i reflect that in in the kind of analysis that I that I make, not only in the science fiction part, but also when I have to write uh, something that is uh, non-fiction for uh, for research or other things. I think uh, many people enjoyed Disco Sour, and as we said before, there's um, there's our future that's already catching up with whatever whatever's happening in Disco Sour in some ways. If you would write uh, a next book, first of all, would you? Um, and if you would, what would be the themes that you would want to tackle this time? Well, a very concrete idea is to turn Europarama into a book. So that's, um, that's let's say, the most immediate kind of project. Following this co-creation that uh, uh, I've been having with the other authors to somehow sketch uh, um, various uh, possible fictional futures for Europe. So that, that is a concrete idea, which I hope uh, to, to be able to pursue also because it's, um, I like, I like the process of co-creation and I like to work with, with other, uh, um, yeah, with other authors. Uh, it makes, it makes the work, the work quite, um, quite exciting and fun, even if challenging. And then we, yeah, oh, I mean, uh, I would, I would love to write another, another novel. Uh, let's see when uh, and how, because that's, that's also a little bit the question. I mean, I have, I have a few ideas about, uh, about uh, other possible uh, stories, but um, yeah, they are a little bit uh, not, uh, not yet uh, mature enough. Fair enough. I would love to, to write something about um, the future work. And about um, about the way the society will change uh, with changes in the way we we think about work and the place that work has in our life, and and at the same time a story that uh, combines this because I like very much. I mean, what I did with Disco Sabo was to combining uh, that with personal stories and about um, exploration on how uh, we are changing also the relations and and love relations you know uh, I like very much the, to think about some sort of modern um, modern collection of fragments of a lover's discourse and from that point of view that that 
that uh, that follow up is not going to be a follow up for Disco Sour, but that other novel, Im imaginary novel for the moment, will also be probably uh, Disco Sour was a novel about breakups, and and the second one should be something about jealousy, so jealousy and the future work, something like that. Oh, big themes. That yeah, but I don't know if I will ever write it, so <laughs> <laughs> don't want to. <laughs> well, maybe you can just do a, a a short story in the magazine or. A Oh, uh, we'll see. Doing short stories is not necessarily easier than, than, <laughs> than writing big novels. But anyway, so um, it all starts with short stories anyway. Also, Disco Sour was a short story at the beginning. So Fair why not? <laughs> <laughs> Very welcome to do it, at least. Thank you for listening to Europa Rama. And thank you, Giuseppe, for, for having me. And uh, Well, thank, thanks to you for hosting me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, you can check out more episodes and other shows of the Are We Your Podcasting family as, as well as more detailed information and links on the show notes. In the next episode, Giuseppe, uh, again, will speak with Sabrina Calvo from France. Uh, with Sabrina, we will speak about retro cyberpunk and imagine a future of Europe where the internet as we know it does not exist anymore. Looking forward to it. That sounds great. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.